Good morning. Good morning. Um, when I was a youth director, I used to have a reason to get into shape. And the reason to get into shape was a game called Biffer. Every summer at summer camp, every fall at our fall retreat, we played this game called Biffer that involved a lot of running. A lot of running. And the reason that I knew I had to stay in shape is because if there was a single camper that I couldn't catch, they were going to have bragging rights over me. So I realized I have got to get in shape every July, every October. I be, be, better be ready to go when it's, uh, when it's biffer time. And I literally, I'll confess this before you, I literally, there were times where I was on a hill, running hill repeats, and I was picturing Rich Alberts up there, and Tim Crenshaw, and Mark Baker, Susie, back then Richie, picturing, I got to catch these guys, I got to catch these guys. So I was doing that. I had this reason. Having summer camp on my calendar and having fall retreat on my calendar, having Biffer on my calendar kept me in shape. And then we started this church, and there's no Biffer. And so what ends up happening, I still want to stay in shape, but now the urgency to get into shape was no longer there because Biffer wasn't on my calendar. And with all kinds of things competing for my time and attention, I found myself skipping a day, a week, multiple weeks, and I still had the same goal. I wanted to get into shape, but I no longer had the urgency that I had when Biffer was on my calendar. And so I put a race on my calendar, and many of you heard the tragic story of that first race back. You know, I had only blocks to go, and there's this little girl up ahead of me, and I didn't have enough gas in the tank to catch a 12-year-old girl named Nora. I looked it up afterwards. Her name was Nora, 12 years old, 23 seconds ahead. Couldn't catch her. And so I put another race on the calendar and another race on the calendar and another race on the calendar. Biffer's not on my calendar anymore, but now the Twin Cities 5K is. And I have 223 days to get into beat Sean Fox shape. Oh, man, it's got a long road. He, he whooped me. Two minutes. I don't even know what he looks like, but he's, that's the number one in my age division right there. Sean Fox, two minutes ahead of me. So there's my goal. And if I'm going to play the spoiler to, he's two, week, two years in a row he's won this thing. If I'm going to play spoiler to his three-peat, I got a lot to do in the next 223 days. And here's the deal. Every day I'm going to have an excuse not to run. Every day. Every day I'm going to have things competing for my time and attention. Every day. But it, I have a race on my calendar, so I have a sense of urgency. I have a countdown happening, and he's looking at this weather, and he's going, I'm going to run today, you know? And I'm thinking, oh, right? Okay, so I'll, here's where I'm going with this. What is true for getting into shape is true for all the things that matter most. Let me say that again. What's true for getting in shape is true for all the things that matter most. And I want to encourage you to write this down on your notes, what I'm about to say next. Your future is a string of nows. If you're not already living in that reality, let me say that as, as clear and direct as I can. Your future is a string of nows. One of my sister, coincidentally, one of my sisters sent me, uh, Sarah, sent me a text. And she sent me a text this week and she said, I just read this thing that we have 30,000 days. 30,000 days. The average person has 30,000 days. When your 30,000 days are up and you look back on it, what kind of legacy do you want to have left with the time that you had? 
every day we have choices to make regarding how we're going to invest these irreplaceable 24 hours. And here's something that's easy to forget. I'd encourage you to write this down. It's, it's the same thing said differently that I said earlier. It is easy to forget that the things that matter most are time-sensitive. We forget that, don't we? The things that matter most are time-sensitive. They are. If we don't live with a sense of urgency in a healthy way, a sense of urgency, we can neglect the daily investments that can lead to great friendships and great marriages and great families. Do these things happen by default? No. Not anymore than getting into shape does. If purposeful daily investments never get on our calendar, we will never learn to play that instrument that we want to play or learn that second language that we want to learn or get that degree that could change the trajectory of a career. If purposeful daily investments never get on our calendar, we'll never learn to discern God's voice with clarity. We'll never be in the scriptures ourselves if we don't put these things on our calendars. If purposeful daily investments never get on our calendar, we'll never be able to beat guys named Sean Fox in a meaningless race. This Lent, we've been exploring a first century document called the Book of Mark. Book of Mark, a real first century document, real first century person. One of the many reasons I love the Book of Mark is Mark does a great job of creating a sense of healthy urgency with the time that we have. He does a great job of waking us up to the reality that time is short. And there are great things that God wants to do. You don't become a disciple of Jesus by default. And Mark does a tremendous job of waking us up to this reality. One of the ways he does it, he does it a lot of ways. One of the ways he does it is by his use of the word immediately. At least that's the English translation of the word. Here's the Greek word. We'll put it up on the screen. And if you want to know how to pronounce it, you can ask Brandon after the service. (laughs) This is the Greek word right there. And we often translate this word as immediately. It shows up a lot in the book of Mark. And when I say a lot, let me show you what I mean by a lot. Now, you may not, not be able to see this because of your angle, but on your way out, take a look at this table. If each of these Diet Coke cans represents one use of the Greek word. Oh, of course you can see it now because our team rocks. Way to go. So I'm not even going to go over by this table. I just point to the screen. Now, what we have here is a Diet Coke hands. If each one of these represents one use of that Greek word in the Gospel of Luke, you would have three cans because there's three uses of the word. In the Gospel of John, you'd have three cans because there were three uses of the word. In Matthew, it doubles. There's six in the book of Matthew. You know how many there are in the book of Mark? 42. 42. So we got the 24-pack and leftovers. Does Mark use immediately a lot? He uses immediately a lot. Please take out your yellow insert. Now, we do not kill trees without purposes here. The reason we have this in your notes is I want you to take a look at this. This is nine-point font. And we couldn't, in two pages fit all of the uses of the word immediately on two pages in nine-point font, just in Mark. So Mark is creating this sense of urgency. Just one of the ways he does that is through this use of the word that we translate immediately. Let me give you just a couple examples here on the screens. Mark 10, or Mark 1, verse 10. 
When Jesus came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. Here's another, Mark 1, verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. Here's another, Mark 1, verse 18. And immediately the disciples left their nets and followed Jesus. Now, they say that Mark's source material probably came from the teaching of Peter. And that makes sense that there'd be a lot of immediately's because Peter, man, from what we know of his life, he was an immediately kind of guy. If Peter had a motto early in his life, it might have looked like this. If he had a motto early in life, it might have been, ready, fire, aim. And someone came up after the service and they go, I don't think that's it. I think it would have been, fire, ready, aim. You know, that was Peter. Look at his life. He was just an immediately kind of guy. Now, all we would need here is a graphic We'd have Peter's Successories poster. Any of you familiar with Successories, company Successories? It used to be a big thing back in the day. And what they would do is they'd take a motivational word, and then they'd take a motivational um, picture, and they'd put it together, and then they'd sell a product with it on. So here's an example of a real Successories poster. I even had a version of this. It says, Opportunity. And then it says at the bottom, there's a basketball hoop on the picture. You'll always miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Isn't that good? Opportunity, you'll always miss 100% of the shots that you won't take. Now, when the internet became a thing, they began to do parodies of successories posters. There's a whole company that does parodies of these posters. Here's a couple parody posters, successories parody posters. Here's one. This one says, procrastination. Hard work often pays off over time, but laziness always pays off now. That's true, isn't it? You know, that's why we don't get into shape. That's why we don't do a lot of these things that are time-sensitive. Let me give you one more. Again, you can just Google this, and you can see all kinds of them. This one says, mistakes, and there's a sinking ship going down. And the catchphrase is, it could be that the purpose of your life is only to serve as a warning for others. <laughs> you know, boy, no one, no one wants to go through their one and only life and have it serve as a warning to others. But that happens often, doesn't doesn't it? When we're not attentive to our nows. Most people fail to make the connection between today's choices and tomorrow's realities. Our nows matter. And it is so easy to waste most of our 30,000 days chasing after things that really don't matter, all the while neglecting the things that do. Mark doesn't want anyone's life to resemble a parody poster. He doesn't want that for you. I don't want that for you. And so what he does is he includes teachings like the story of a farmer in his gospel, a farmer who goes out and scatters seed, and many of you are familiar with this story. And the seed that's scattered falls on different kinds of soil. Let's take a look here. Mark chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. Mark writes, Some of the seed, and this is a teaching directly from the lips of Jesus, some seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Now here's an example of an immediately gone wrong. Because immediately, it seems like they did the right thing, but immediately he hadn't been tending to the soil day after day after day so there was no roots. 
one of these things that, that we're to tend to, the things that matter most that are time-sensitive, is tending to the soil of our hearts and minds, to engage in practices like silence and prayer and fasting and scripture reading and serving one another. These are things that are easy to put off, aren't they? You'll always have an excuse to put them off. But these are the things that help our soil become rich. And when our soil is rich, look what comes at the end of this story. Other seeds fell into what kind of soil? Good soil. And when you're tending to that soil and the seed falls on good soil, those seeds that were sown in the good soil, they're the ones, they hear the word, they accept it, and it bears fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Don't you want to get to the end of your one and only life and look back and see that God did 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold of what you could have done on your own? Isn't that what we all want? If so, then let's open our Bibles together. Mark chapter 10. Here's the section of Scripture that we're going to spend most of our time with today. In fact, all the rest of our time today. I want to let you know, too, if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to give you one free today. We always keep a stack of the Bibles near the entrance slash exits, and we encourage you just to pick one up and, and have it for your own. All right, here we go. Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 32. It says this, And the disciples were on the road, going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus began to tell them what was going to happen to him. And he said, Hey, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and to the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him. They will spit on him. They will flog him. They will kill him. And after three days, he'll rise. Now, if you're following Jesus, and he says this, you'd think that's stopping your tracks, right? Oh, what? Really? What? James and John, it's like Jesus didn't say this at all. Take a look at what comes next. James and John, sons of Zebedee, members of Jesus' inner circle. They came up to Jesus. This is right after this. This is right after this. They come up to Jesus. They said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Did you catch that? Jesus just says what he says. And they're like, so we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He says to them, okay, so what is this thing that you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Can you just imagine the look on Jesus' face? He's like, were you just not here when I said what I said? We're going up to Jerusalem. I will be delivered over to the chief priests. They will condemn me to death. They will deliver me over to the Gentiles. They will mock me and spit on me and flog me and kill me. And then I'm going to rise again. And Jesus says that. And they say, yeah, whatever. Here's what we'd like you to do for us. Will you give us whatever we want? Wow. Rich Mullins. Love Rich Mullins. He captures the human condition very well in the song. I believe we have the lyrics. You can put them up on the screen. In one of his songs, the lyrics go like this. We were looking for heroes. He came looking for the lost. 
We were searching for glory, and he showed us a cross. And now we know what love is because he loves us all the way to kingdom come. On Friday, I was out on one of my Beat Sean Scott runs, and I was praying, and uh, probably for my heart, right? Um, and as I turned right down the road here, right from Lexington on to 96, all these cars are, are whipping by me. And I believe I heard the Holy Spirit say something because I was really trying to pray. When I go out and run, I really try to, try to spend that time praying. And I believe the Holy Spirit whispered something for all of us. And it went something like this. Remind my people how easy it is to fall asleep at the wheel. To become so caught up in the flow of traffic that you fail to even ask if you're on the right road. Then I think I heard something like this. Years can fly by like mile markers on a highway. Years that we can never get back. And that's true with our friends. It's true with our faith, isn't it? Parents, let me talk to you just for a minute. This is especially true for us. You blink, and they're going on the school bus for the first time. And then you blink again, and they're going into middle school. And then you blink again, and it's high school. And then you blink again, and it's graduation. And then you blink again, and it's graduating from the next thing. You blink, and it goes. Do our nows matter? Yes. Do our nows matter? Yes. We can look back, and there can be countless good intentions that never become reality because what was most important never felt urgent. So here's a point that we've been trying to make since Ash Wednesday. If you're playing fill in the blank, I hope you got this one if you've been here. There is a big difference between following Christ and asking God to bless our plans. Isn't that true? Big difference. Hopefully the two are the same thing, but there can be a big difference. In the account that we just read, the one where the two disciples were completely missing the point, remember who these people were. They were a part of Jesus' inner circle of his inner circle. And especially when you think about John, who wrote the Gospel of John? That guy. And he didn't just write that. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Revelation. If he can miss it, can we miss it? Yeah. We can get so caught up in our own agendas and our own thoughts, we can miss what God is doing. Consider this. James and John said that they wanted to be on Jesus' right hand and on his left hand. What was going to happen in about a week? There was going to be someone at Jesus' nail-pierced right hand. There was going to be someone else at Jesus' nail-pierced left hand. It wasn't going to be them. Wow, you can miss it. You can miss what's happening. We were looking for heroes. He came looking for the lost. We were searching for glory. He showed us a cross. And that brings us now to the section of Scripture that I want to highlight today. Everything so far has been an introduction to this. This scripture here. Let's dig into this one. Picking up with 46, verse 46 of chapter 10. And this comes right after what we just read. They came then to Jericho. The disciples came to Jericho. And as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, 
a blind beggar, the son of this guy, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him, be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Jesus knew that he should stop and said, call him. And he called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus on the way. Now, as I was studying this text this week, I noticed a couple things I've never noticed before. That happens only about every week. One of them is this. What did Bartimaeus do when he heard that he had been called by Jesus? He threw off his cloak. Consider what that means if you're blind. The guy doesn't have many possessions. He threw off his cloak. That's an all-in bold move, isn't it? That is a, I'm leaving behind, I'm going for this with everything. No reservations. Boom. I'm going. I'm going. So that was one of the things I noticed. And the second was related to that. Here's something else I never noticed before. If I'm not mistaken, Mark's gospel is the only gospel that calls Bartimaeus by name. John, I don't even think, mentions this account. Luke doesn't mention any names. Mark is the numbers guy. He doesn't mention names. He says there was two. There was two. I counted them. There was two. They both should pay taxes, is what he thought. They, there are two men. So how does Mark even know? How does Mark even know what this guy's name is? Because Mark probably wasn't there. But where did he get the teaching from? He got the teaching from Peter. And Peter was an immediately kind of guy. And now I'm totally in speculation here. But I think Peter, when he was telling Mark the story, he's like, oh, and there was this guy. I got I to tell you, there was this guy, he was blind. And Jesus was passing by. And this blind guy was so ready to become a disciple of Jesus, he threw off his cloak. I'm like, I got to meet this guy. After he got healed, I went up, my name's Peter, what's your name? Can we be friends? You know, can you else picture that from what you know of Peter? It's speculation. But it's kind of fun when you start connecting dots, when you see that. But here's the thing about Bartimaeus. He didn't just stop there. He wasn't just a cloak thrower. There was even more to it than that. Let's go back and zoom in on verse 52, Mark 10, 52. Zoom in and check this out. Jesus said to Bartimaeus, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Boy, isn't that exactly what James and John wanted? Go your way, right? Ooh, oh, sweet. Let's go our way. Well, immediately he recovered his sight, and then what did he do? He followed Jesus on whose way? His way. The way. Now, let's just think about that for a second. Let's think if that was just literal. Let's think if he is talking literal here. Let's, talk, let's think about what Bartimaeus would have seen now with eyes that could see. What would he have seen in that week or so if he followed Jesus on the way right then, immediately? Consider that. 
Within about a week of gaining his sight, Bartimaeus would have seen Jesus enter the holy city because they're in Jericho. This is final approach to Jerusalem. This is it. This is coming into Holy Week here. Within about a week of gaining his sight, Bartimaeus would have seen Jesus enter the holy city to cries of Hosanna. And within days, he would have seen many in that same crowd shouting what? Crucify him. And within about a week of gaining his sight, Bartimaeus would have seen Jesus demonstrate the depth of his love and obedience on a Roman cross. And he would have seen Jesus defeat death and the grave through his resurrection. Within about a week of gaining his sight, Bartimaeus would have seen the gospel. Can you imagine if Bartimaeus would have said, yeah, this was awesome. I'm going to be right with you. I just got some loose ends to tie up. He would have missed it. And that's so easy to do. He would have missed it if that was a literal thing that happened. And it very well may have been. But there's another layer. It could have been this or that or both. Here's the other layer. The term translated here as the way, that was the precursor to the term Christianity. They used to call Christians followers of the way before they were called Christians. And why do they call them followers of the way? Because they were followers of the way of Jesus. They made his ways their ways. And they saw that, that Jesus was a guy who was seeking God in prayer. He engaged the Holy Scriptures. He invested in deep relationships. He served his brothers and sisters. He reached out to those who were lost and hurting. And they made his way their way. If you've missed everything else I've said so far this morning, don't miss this. When Jesus told Bartimaeus, you can go your way, which way did Bartimaeus choose to go? The way. He said with his actions, my way is now your way. In this brief exchange between a blind man and his Savior, we see two marks of an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. There's a place to write this down in your notes. To leave behind and follow is the essence of discipleship, isn't it? Isn't that what it means to be a disciple of anyone or anything? I'm going to leave behind everything, and I'm going to follow you. If you say bring any of this, I'll bring it. If you say leave it, I leave it. Isn't that the essence of discipleship? That your now has become their nows, your master's nows. You say do this, I do this. You say do that, leave behind. That's the essence of discipleship, and we see it right here in this story. Disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to be cloak throwers, aren't we? We're called to be cloak throwers. When he calls us, we're to follow immediately. If he says do it, we do it. And that may mean leaving behind something good. It may mean a career change. It may mean something you hadn't planned on. It may mean something good that you're leaving for something better. It also definitely means leaving behind the things that aren't good. And I think all of us, this is a good wake-up call for all of us when it comes to our immediately's on the not goods. It means you've got that song on your iPod that you've listened to 10,000 times and you hear it 
And it is not just not God-honoring, it is the opposite. That's an immediate leap, folks, and we all need to hear that. We've had to delete a bunch of songs off of my playlist, haven't we, you know? That's an, that's an immediately. When a screen pops up on your computer that you shouldn't be looking at, that is an immediately. Bad things happen when it doesn't become an immediately. Isn't that true? It's an immediately. When we're watching something on TV and that show takes a turn that is not something we should be watching or something we should be supporting, that's an immediately. And let me save you some huge heartbreak. If you're in a relationship with someone that you know you should be out of that relationship with, that's an immediately. That's an immediately. But cloak throwing alone isn't enough, right? Because there's a whole root growing piece. And so many of our immediately's have to do with putting those good and God-honoring practices on our calendar. We'll never grow deep roots if we don't also align our lives daily to the way of Jesus and to invest in those things that don't feel urgent but are so important. I took my kids to see um, Risen on Friday. If you've got kids that are older, it's a PG-13 movie, but if you've got older kids, take them. Take them. And then carve out time afterwards to talk about it. There's some great scenes in that movie. One of the scenes that struck me was there's a scene where a, le- a leper gets forcibly cast out of a, of a small village and Jesus knows exactly what to do. He's eating with his disciples. He takes one of the fish that they were preparing for themselves. He walks over to the guy who had just been cast out of a village. He sits down with him, gives him some food, and then he embraces him like a brother. And the movie, you only have so much time in a movie, right? So they left out a lot of things about Jesus. But Jesus, there's times where he tossed tables, he confronted, he called people out. And here's where I'm going with this. I want to have that mind and heart of Christ. We talk about this about every third sermon, right? Or isn't that what we want? We want to know, okay, in this moment, is this a be silent moment? Is this a give a fish moment? Is this a give a hard word moment, right? Don't we want that mind and that heart of Christ? It's the urgent but doesn't feel urgent, where that is formed in us, where that's formed in us. Because don't we want all of our cloak throwing to be the right cloak throwing? Instead of jumping off a cliff when Jesus is like, I'm no, no. Oh, man, right? So I'm trying. I mean, as best I can, I'm trying to put these practices in my life. And one of the ways I'm doing it is when I go for a run. I'm trying to pray when I'm out running. So Wednesday, I was out. I didn't want to run on Wednesday. I really didn't. But you may have heard I have a race on my calendar. And um, so I head out the door, and I'm out running. And I'm like, okay, God, this is your time, and I'm going to pray. And so I'm praying for Shoreview, and I'm praying for my neighbors. And as I'm praying, and I'm running, I get close to home, about a quarter mile from home, and I notice one of my neighbors is, at, is out, and he's kind of scraping or something on his driveway. And the little voice in my head, I believe it's the whisper of the Holy Spirit, says, okay, hey, stop and ask your neighbor how he's doing. But I'm like, stop? Who's got time to stop, right? Because I wake up every day like many of you, and I have more to do than I can ever get done, and I know that at the end of my day, my to-do list is going to be longer than it was when I woke up, right? Anyone else relate to that? Yeah, okay? So I'm like, I, I can, maybe some other time, God, but I, I got stuff. But I'm like, this, this is the Holy Spirit. So the finish line was, of my run was still over there, but okay. I stopped my watch. I turn around, I walk back, 
and I go start up a conversation with my neighbor. And there were no miracles that happened. We didn't break out into singing Chris Tomlin songs, you know, or anything in the driveway. <laughs> but here's what did happen. We had a really good conversation, um, and I had a conversation with a guy whose wife was battling leukemia. And it was really important to have just spent some time talking to him about that. All of us want a great neighborhood, right? Does everyone here want a great neighborhood? Raise your hand if you want a great neighborhood. Right? We want a great neighborhood. Do great neighborhoods happen if we don't be good neighbors? There's not a sense of urgency with being a good neighbor in any one moment, usually unless our house is burning down or something like that. But isn't that what adds up over time? And I wouldn't have been a good neighbor had I not been doing those practices of the way of Jesus, of just having a concentrated time, no headphones on my head, but rather this is your, our time, God. Just I'm listening and I'm praying for my neighbors. Now, even as I share that story, full disclosure, for every one story like that I can tell, there's a thousand missed opportunities, right? Can anyone else relate to that? You know, for every one of those little times we remember, there's a thousand missed opportunities. And that's why I want to close with this, some good news. Because this could be one of these messages where I saw it happening in the first service, I see it a little bit here, where the tears start to come because we look back and go, I have wasted 20,000 of my 30,000 days. Or I've wasted this moment. Or I'm making these mistakes. Hear the good news. And here it is. It comes right from our scripture reading today. Look at this. Cheer up, they said. He's calling you. Isn't that beautiful? That's in the account too. Cheer up, they said. He's calling you. You could have been anywhere else today. God brought you here to hear this message. And there are a whole lot of nows ahead of you. Nows that matter. And you have an opportunity right now to seize those nows. And ask a question like this. Last question in your notes says, who is the Lord of your now? Who is the Lord of your now? Is the Lord of your now whatever's playing on your iPhone? Is the Lord of your now whatever's beeping on your, your thing? Is the Lord of your now whatever your coach says or whatever your school says about your sports calendar? Is, is your, what is your now that is your Lord? You know, that's a great question. Lent is a great time to ask it. Mark is a great book to wrestle with those questions because they're complicated. Because we want to honor authorities in our life. We want to honor things we signed up for. When do we have the mind of Christ to know when have I made this my Lord? When am I keeping a commitment, right? What a great season to ask those questions. Lent is the perfect season to remind us of a God who sent his one and only son into our broken world. He showed us the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And your future can be a great future if you trust him with your nows. So maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to stick a post-it on your mirror or above your desk that says 20,000 days, 10,000 days. Maybe it's a lot shorter than that because maybe you're thinking, okay, it's this long before my kid gets on that school bus for the first time or that middle school bus for the first time or when they say, Dad, can I have the keys <laughs> for the first time or when they head out of the door for the first time. Maybe that's it, putting a post-it. Maybe it's time to ask yourself a question like, what gets priority on my calendar? What goes on first? Do I have the word home on my calendar? Do I have the word church on my calendar? What's on my calendar? 
Maybe it's time to prioritize some important things that you've been putting off. Like hanging out with your family instead of watching news too much. Before we go our separate ways this week, I want to just share this last thing um, that my coach, Coach Whitaker, he used to have us say this every day before practice at Bethel. It was fun too because one of my teammates was here and he's like, yep, I remember that. He taught us, and this wasn't original to Coach Steve Whitaker, but he had us say it and it was really good. We used to say, this is the beginning of a new day. God has given me this day to use as I will. I can waste it or I can use it for good. But what I do today is important because I'm exchanging a day out of my life for it. When tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever, leaving in its place that which I have traded. I want it to be gain, not loss. Good, not evil. Success, not failure. In order that I shall not regret the price I have paid for it. Because the future is just a whole string. Now, let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful that you've given us these wake-up reminders that help us to remember that there are things that are so important and time-sensitive that we don't even think of as such. So, Holy Spirit, would you descend on us right now in your firm but loving way. Shake us and wake us so that you could become the Lord of our nows. Whether it's sitting down with our spouse or our friends over unhurried conversation, whether it's taking something off our calendar that's good, but it's getting in the way of the best, whether it's immediately deleting, stopping a behavior that we know isn't right, or seeking help to do that. Whatever it is, Father, help us to throw off our cloaks, come after you with everything we've got, and learn what it means to walk in your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we leave today, if you'd like to pray with somebody, there's people who would love to pray with you. They'll be right in the back there. And as you do go forth, receive this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God and the guidance and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in peace.